You're listening to Behind the Headlines, a weekly news talk show hosted by the Express News Group, publishers of the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, and 27East.com, and featuring distinguished journalists from the East End to discuss what's news on the North and South Forks of Long Island. The program airs on WLIW-FM 88.3 and 96.9 on Saturday mornings at 10 and repeats Sundays at 1 p.m. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. I'm joined today by my co-host, Annette Hinkle, the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. Good morning, Annette. Hey, Bill. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Okay. Sun shining. I got coffee in my mug. Everything's good. There you go. Our panelists today, Denise Civiletti, publisher, editor of Riverhead Local. Good morning, Denise. Good morning. Beth Young, publisher, editor of East End Beacon. Good morning, Beth. Good morning, Bill. And Brian Cosgrove, host of the Afternoon Ramble right here on WLIWFM. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Good to be here. So we're taping this on Friday morning. And of course, the the, the big news this morning is the televised um, hearings by the, the House panel on the January 6th insurrection that was uh, televised Thursday night. Everybody seems to be talking about that. A couple notes is, is they seem to be um, squarely laying, laying that at the feet of former President Donald Trump. And I, I noticed the words in, in some of the coverage this morning, attempted coup, um, which I, I think is a word that I didn't shy away from as, as of January, although people tended to, to move toward insurrection and, and, and all that. What did uh, I, I was watching Fox News last night, so I didn't see the hearings, but um, I'm just wondering that's a joke. It's a joke. Fox, no letters. Um, I'm just wondering what what everybody what everybody thought. Brian, did you did you tune in? Uh, I did. I tuned into some of it. And, um, you know, it's um, I think it's the biggest thing concerning our country right now uh, and has been ever since it happened. Um, And even prior to when uh, the former president wouldn't accept the results of the election. But it seems like, you know, and not that I'm not guilty of this either, but it seems like uh, this, you know, we we have ADD in a big, big way. And um, the country in general, we just keep moving on to the next thing. And I and I've been thinking for a while now, it's hard to look at the, the actual footage. It's hard to look at, you know, some of these people who died, yeah. uh, watch these people storm our capital. Um, it's hard to watch it. Um, I get that, you know, um, and along with, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like a big dysfunctional family. You know, it's like. I think there's a fair amount of us who are extremely concerned about it. It's the biggest thing I think that's going to affect this, whether we want to realize it now or later, it's going to come back and get us. But it's like the elephant in the room with other people who are concerned about it. It's hard to look at it. It's hard to accept it. It's hard to deal with it. You know, and the fact that Fox didn't carry it and they are still saying things that I completely don't agree with that I don't think are true at all. And um, so it's it's. And then we have things like gas prices and everybody's concerned about that, which is, you know, I don't have a family. I live alone. I am concerned about gas prices. I am concerned about inflation. But I thought very interesting was a, a Republican commentator uh, on I think I was watching CNN um, made a very good point. And he said, be kind of because of some of the things that I just mentioned, he said that he doesn't think that this is going to affect the midterms, but it will affect the presidential election in 24 because of gas prices, because of people are not They really don't want to look at this square in the face and realize this could be the end of democracy. It's it's too big for them to wrap their heads around. So I, I don't know. It's um, you know, you get into the weeds about this thing. It, it to me, it appears overwhelming that this thing was uh, premeditated, um, that it is greatly concerning. But uh, it just seems from the polls I see, from the reaction to some of these politicians who we have on video who said Republican politicians who are now in the backseat, in the back pocket of Trump, who, as you've all seen, many of them say how, you know, how tragic and how he should be accountable a few days after January 6th now are completely denying it. You know, so I don't know. This is this is a can of worms, to say the least, you know. 
Do we do we think that the 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 hearing on Thursday night and and I, I guess there's there's five five more to come or six six total. Do we think that's changing anybody's minds? Do we think that that's it, it, is it a reminder to people or I mean, are we just so divided still, you know, over over every issue, but but over this that that, um, you know, devil's advocate, does this is this then just um, p- political theater? And, and I know that that Brian, as, as some of the critics have, have termed it, Brian talked about midterms. I saw a lot of coverage that, that said that that these hearings are, are designed um, in part to, you know, to to affect the, the midterm elections. And look, so this is this was a political event. It was a violent political you know, event. But but politics is politics. Is that is that fair game or, you know, are, are we changing minds um, by having this hearing or, or what are we, what are we doing here? What's what's the point? Well, any attempted coup is going to be political. Right. Yeah. You know, it's going to be a political issue no matter what people people have made up their minds. But I wonder if this might be more of a case to be made to pursue um, actual legal charges. Like, are they making the case to a different audience? Not those of us who may or may not have made up our minds, but those in power who may have the ability to actually bring charges against certain people in the administration. And, And the former president. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> for example, <laughs> perhaps I, I think in term, we live in alternate realities. I, I mean, that's like the overall reality. You know, the the people, the tens of millions of people who watch nothing but Fox News um, didn't see any of this and they're not going to. And I've got I don't know what Fox News was focusing on last night. I'm guessing it was gas prices and some, everything oh, I'm seeing. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, you know, this stuff didn't really happen. It wasn't a riot. It wasn't an insurrection. It was, you know, what peaceful like tourists touring the Capitol. <laughs> what about Hillary's emails? Let's not forget about that. Yeah. So it's like, I, I, you know, I've never, I mean, I'm pretty old. I've never seen anything like this before where like they people just buy, you know, or the American public just buys into this like false narrative of things all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's pumped out by this propaganda machine because that's all Fox News is, folks. I mean, it's a propaganda machine. Kind of a Russian model, isn't it? Insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I mean, you know. It's just I've never seen anything like this. The willingness to accept the false narrative, the willingness not to question, you know, I mean, these guys like Kevin McCarthy, who, you know, did a complete 180, as you pointed out, Brian, like, you know, not being even held accountable by anybody for that. I mean, you know, Lindsey Graham, all of them, you know. So it's it's kind of shocking that, you know, I mean, they were there that day and their lives were in jeopardy. and they could turn like this. It's and yeah. And they it's, spoke it's, out it's against it right yeah. away, but then, you know, somehow, you know, forget about that now. Yeah. People do. I mean, I haven't, I haven't looked at Twitter this morning or last night during the year, <laughs> but you know, I, I don't know what like the people who are in denial about this are, are busy saying about this. Um, I, and, and, you know, and here's the thing, here's our, our, uh, you know, alienation from one another at this point i'm not sure how much i care what they're saying i mean i kind of have an expectation of what people like you know jim jordan and his uh chosen his uh, choice for new york state governor lee zeldin uh, are thinking about this um and do i really want to read their tweets or i don't know no set aside a lot of time if you're going to do that and it's, just, well, it's not healthy to even think this way, you know, it's not yeah. a healthy, you know, I mean, as far as like the, you know, the primetime billing and whatever, I mean, if we, if we, if you weren't convinced by the impeachment trial, I don't know what more was presented last night yeah. it would change anyone's mind. I thought it was interesting. One of the things that I noticed that came up last night though, was the positioning of the proud boys, right. um, you know, before, Trump had even begun speaking, they already knew where they were going to be at the Capitol. And that, I think, really does point to a lot of prior organization that they hadn't really hit on in the impeachment trial, you know? 
Sure, it was all premeditated. The whole, I, I think, you know, to yeah, you know, now they're now they're connecting the dots in a way that they didn't the first time around. Right. Yeah. I, I thought the whole, uh, you know, the, the thing about, you know, them telling telling Trump that, you know, that they were chanting to, you know, to to hang Mike Pence and, and him kind of saying, well, maybe they've got the right idea. I thought that was that was chilling. I mean, that yeah. was just chilling. I think That's also it. having Bill Barr and Ivanka Trump basically say that they didn't believe the lie and. Yeah pretty much told him so that's i think the, those two pieces of evidence i think are something that they really wanted to get out there because it kind of points to you know this whole idea of them being naive and not and not knowing that he really lost it's sort of that the house of cards is tumbling down now yeah the bill bar was very powerful that's true yeah i, I mean I, I don't think anybody at this point you know believes that he really thought he he won the election, right? I mean, it was all right. Just a, well, a, an effort to to just to hang on to, you know, hang on to the presidency. Yeah. Well, so I guess we'll uh, we'll we'll see a little bit more of that on 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 Monday, and you know, and and in following days, and 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 see what happens with it. Um, it, it's interesting and, and, and again, chilling and, and scary and, you know, and, and sad to see the families of, of the, you know, the officers that, that were injured and lost their lives and, um, you know, all, you know, all over politics and the first, first, first time that, you know, first time for, for, for that kind of violence and, and political world. Um, yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking of the, um, the comparison of, you know, those the, first, the, the guards of the Capitol that lost their life, uh, the officer that testified, um, she was very powerful last night. And then the parallel between the parents who lost the kids in the, in, you know, in Texas recently. And, right. You know, and then, you know, the families that lost uh, up in Buffalo. It must be extremely frustrating. I mean, I find it frustrating and I haven't lost a family member or I haven't been in the, you know, the thick of an actual situation like that, a shooting or, a, you know, a coup on the Capitol. But these folks must be extremely frustrated at how slow this and it's right in front of them, the, you know, you know, what's going on. Sure. You just your soul cries for justice and, and there's yeah. there's just no no justice, yeah. uh, no justice to be found, I, I think. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW-FM 88.3. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group, joined by my co-host Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, Beth Young um, from East End Beacon, and Brian Cosgrove right here from WLIW. Um, Brian, so that's a transition. You, you brought up Buffalo and um um, I, I guess, you know, the next big issue we'll talk about is, is guns and, and gun control, you know, the, the terrible tragedy in, in, in Texas last week. And, you know, again, you see this. I, I don't know. Am, am I still naive for, for believing that, that at some point we can, we can say, you know, as, as a country collectively, that we've had enough of these tragedies and we want to make some changes. And, and um, I, I guess not. I mean, the, the division is there every time you talk about any kind of gun control, it's, you know, it's, it's second amendment and it's just digging in heels. And, um, you know, I mean, you said I guess it, now we're also looking at a court case that's Supreme court that could then allow what concealed carry in New York. Right. Right. I think that's, what's most disturbing. Cause I, I don't know about you guys, but I always feel like, well, I live in New York, so we're always going to have choice and we're always going to be protected. But you know, when the, you have a federal institution that's looking to change the laws of an individual state, um, that makes me a little nervous. It's like state's rights until the state doesn't happen to agree with them, you know? Well, that's the that's the Supreme Court's job lately, right? Right. So, so Denise, um, New York State did, though. However, this past week, um, uh, pass some new gun control measures. Um, can Can you describe a little briefly what what, what those were? I I, um, I wrote about it. I didn't pull them up this morning. I just sort of I'm I'm going to do that now, so I'm not just totally shooting from the hip. Oh, that's a bad analogy. Sorry. 
but like the it's it's uh, I apologize. The um, I just want to point out that Lee Zeldin um, more than once co-sponsored legislation to say that any any every state has to be reciprocal with any other states. You know, even if they don't require permits, if they're if a person's allowed to carry a gun in the state where he lives, even if he doesn't have to get a permit there, he should be allowed to carry a gun in every other state, including New York, where, you know, he was representing, yeah. which that just uh, over and over again, every time I saw that happen, it just kind of blew my mind that, that you know, that's how. Um, well, but that's just kind of the opposite of, of the idea of states' rights, right? Absolutely. Which which is which is what the, you know, which is what the right side is, is always supposed well, to be. Well, you know, that, that applies only when we're talking about voting and stuff, you know. Oh, okay. right. Um, so um, the <laughs> package of bills, there were like 10 bills that were passed by um, the legislature and immediately signed into law by the governor, which... Um, uh, among the, the things that were um, included in that was uh, pro- prohibiting the sale of semi-automatic weapons to people under 21, um, banning body armor sales, you know, bulletproof vests and things of people who are not in law enforcement or certain other professions, not including journalism, I should say, which I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, like, I, I feel like that's included really, but um and um, they, they would expand the list of people that are allowed to uh, apply for this extreme risk protection order, the, uh, the red flag order, um, expand the list of people that are authorized to apply for that author, um, kind of order from a court, which essentially says, you know, this person is an extreme risk to his own or someone else's safety and should, you know, it's the, the, a way to take weapons away from an individual. Um, it would also, these bills also eliminate the um, grandfathering of uh, guns and other devices that were lawful, like prior to the SAFE Act. The SAFE Act said these things, anybody that already owns this stuff, they're grandfathered. But this eliminates the grandfathering mm. of that um, and some other stuff. And it just, yeah. um, you know, it was um, I was anxious to see uh, how our local representatives, our local state lawmakers voted on these bills and to get a, um, um, a, a response from them or a comment from them about the bills and why they voted the way they voted. Um, I was only successful in reaching um, uh, Senator uh, Anthony Palumbo, who represents the East End, as we know, in the state Senate. Um, I was not able to, um, I reached out, but I, I didn't get in touch with uh, assembly member Jody Giglio. Um, it, it, the, most of these votes were went right along party lines. Um, and um, most of these- And, and folks, both, both of them are, are Republicans. Both of these folks are Republicans and both of them mostly voted against these measures uh, and the ones that I, I just highlighted just now anyway. Um, and um, I had, you know, I had a pretty good interview with uh, Tony Palumbo, who um, I would say, you know, is always very cordial about discussing, you know, his positions on these things. He's very articulate, um, a reasonable person. Um, and, you know, he laid out his his uh, the rationale for his, um, you know, opposition to these bills. Um, he. Um, he he said that the, the raising the age, the raise the age bill uh, does not absolutely nothing. He said to protect us. He said the Buffalo shooter bought his gun in Pennsylvania. Mm. You know, it regulates only the purchase, not the possession. Um, and and this this wouldn't have prevented and he, you know the the shooting in Buffalo, the massacre in the Buffalo supermarket. Um, he called the bill and some of the others a pander, like pandering to the anti-gun uh, folks um, that and th- bills that do really nothing to make us safer. That was the, the theme he uh, struck multiple times. Um, so, you know, he, he focuses on, um, you know, people committing crimes with guns. He said, you know, we should increase the penalties for gun crimes and the Democrats are not in favor of that, quite the opposite, he says. Um, he quoted a statistic that said less than, and this is a little debated, but 
less than 10% of crimes are committed with legal guns. And the Democrats say it's uh, a third that are committed with legal guns. But in any event, the majority of crimes, everybody seems to agree, are committed with illegal guns. So well, illegal guns at one time were legal guns. And I think that's a point that gets lost sometimes. At some, yeah. some, at some point, they become illegal guns, but but they were they were all... At some point, yeah. the vast majority of them were, were legal. So... You left, you left out Fred Thiel, and I just want to mention real and quick. Fred Thiel supported, he voted with the Democrats on all of these things. Yes, right. sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, he, he, I don't know. So, I mean, that's what happened in gun control in Albany uh, last week. I mean, they, they worked on on pa- passing like, what, <laughs> a thousand bills? <laughs> in, the last, is, in the last two days. <laughs> is, is Palumbo right, though? I mean, is this is this just pandering? Is this, okay, so we had a tragedy in Buffalo. Let's quickly pass some, some, some new, you know. Well, if you're 18, you know, not being able to buy a gun in New York is a deterrent. It's not going to deter everybody. But I mean, if you're on Long Island, it's it's a trek to get to Pennsylvania to buy a gun. You have to really want one. And if, I guess if you really want one, you're a dangerous person. But, yeah. you know, I, I feel it, like it's it sort helps. of a trunk, you know, like I yeah. feel like it's like, you know, every time after tragedy, the people who want to regulate more, you know, impose more regulations on gun ownership and use, et cetera. Um, they're always accused of being political and pandering. I mean, that's yeah. like kind of like a you know yeah. standard reaction. So, what about ism? I think it's interesting. It doesn't sound like like the whole idea of mental health came up much. And um, I think I read something where most guns are used to self-inflict wounds. You know, um, I just I don't know. Just like where's that in the equation? You know, I mean, I right. I got to tell you, when I, I I grew up in Ohio, and I had two friends from college both of whom's father killed themselves when they were in high school Hmm. um, with handguns that they bought at the last minute and shot themselves. And I think that that's a really, I mean, the fact that I would, I wouldn't just know two people in my small universe that did that um, I think is kind of the big talk about elephant in the room. You know Um, the fact that most handguns I think are turned on their owners by them, by their owner's hand is not something I've read a lot about. Yeah, I, I heard a, a statistic, and I don't know, a really alarming statistic that <clears throat> along the lines of that of what you just said, that a gun in the house is usually used on someone in the house, like a crazy high statistic. It's not used to, you know, right. fight off a burglar or whatever. Not to mention accidents. Yeah. And the other, you know, a couple of things I thought of was that I don't know if I heard this correctly, but the shooter down in Texas waited till his 18th birthday right. to stock up. I don't know if, if that's true, but I think I heard that. I saw, you know, as you guys well know, we've got the um, the primary for governor here in New York, the Democratic primary on the 28th. And Swazi's got a, uh, I guess, a more than one add up. But he's he's got the current governor saying that she's actually saying she's endorsed by the NRA. Right. A sound clip of that. Um, so I don't know if that's true or not, but it, it appears to it's coming right out of her mouth. But, you know, people can do their homework. I'm not saying that what I'm saying is absolutely true. Uh, and the fact is, is am I right? There's a there was a Republican politician here in New York that that started to lean towards gun control and they blew him out of the water and he's got no political future now. I forgot his name. Maybe up, maybe up in the Buffalo area. Somebody, yeah, there was a Republican. I remember hearing that as well. I don't know his name, but I got the yeah. sense it was. But I think that's interesting because it does feel like there's there's two different New Yorks. And, um, yeah. you know, there's yeah. down here and then there's up there. And, and um, that's where Hochul is from. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when yeah. I was at, um, at the New York Press Association convention a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I think that we were looking at some newspapers that that were writing about things up there. And I guess there's actually like a secession movement up there, like certain parts of that Western upstate New York actually don't want to be part of New York. And, you know, there's this kind of separatist movement going on that I had never heard of. So I don't know if, um, you know, it is. It's like, you know, become another state called upstate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I guess that they would embrace guns is my guess. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, well. I mean, people, I was just up there. I mean, there's obviously people of both persuasions and in Western New York, but yeah, I think you you get a lot more in, in the, in the rural communities. You you certainly have, you know, a lot more people leaning toward that, that second amendment. And they they resented the power of the downstate New York. Yeah. Right. 
Well, that's always been a big thing. I mean, you know, New York, New York City has always kind of defined New York politics. Right. And, you know, I could understand how people upstate would come to resent that. I mean, yeah. Well, Lee Selden's entire run is based on the idea of this balance of power shifting. So, well, Brian, Brian, you you had mentioned mental mental health earlier. Maybe maybe it was not. Um, I had listened to an, an interesting podcast um, on the Daily, the New York Times podcast, the other day that talked about you know the the argument. It seems it seems like the the right every time there's a tragedy and a call for for new gun laws, the right always says, "Well, you need to focus more on mental health laws and and not not the guns that you know and all that." And 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 look, my opinion is you got to be pretty kind of crazy to go shoot up a school or a grocery store. But this podcast was was talking to um, some doctors and medical experts who were saying that uh, uh, most most people who commit um, who commit these crimes wouldn't fall under the definition of, of mental illness. I mean, you talk about, you know, the red flag laws and all that and trying to targeting these people for making Facebook posts or whatever that that they should be, you know, that they should be somehow locked up and that would prevent these tragedies. And it was kind of saying that that that's not true unless you want to loosen the requirements for, um, you know, for being able to commit people to mental health institutions, which is kind of a scary thought uh, on its own that you're not going to prevent some of these mass shootings. And I think, you know, maybe they're not talking necessarily about, you know, you know, the, the you know, the mass shootings at the schools or, or the supermarket. And, and I think any the definition of a mass shooting is, is for people being shot in, in, in one incident. But but I, I, I'm wondering if, if that's, you know, how, how you guys feel about that is, 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 is can we can we we target some of this through mental health or does it you know that's like a preventative one of the things that struck me was that i think both the texas shooter and the one in upstate they both had made like misogynist comments about women or had sort of had that um anti woman thing going on and that seems like it's another one of those big red flags that people ought to be paying attention to and if we could sort of figure out how that there seems to be a, a kind of a a through line with a lot of these um, a lot of these guys that they sort of have a difficult so, time. With so, so, so the doctor that was on this podcast and look, and I'm not taking this opinion, but the doctor that was on this podcast said that the, the perpetrators of, of, of these, these mass shootings typically tend to be um, young guys, disgruntled young guys, um, people that have been bullied and you know, and, and, and all that. And you know what, that sounds like every teenager I grew up with. So I don't know how, I don't mean to make a joke out of it, but I don't know how you, how you target, you know, do you, do you want to, you know, lock up every, you know, every disgruntled teenager in, in the but country? I, I but think so. that's where the red law, the red law, uh, I mean, red, the, what flag. Call, red flag laws come in is that the people who are closest to these individuals are the one to best know whether yeah. they fit that definition. And I think that's yeah. where the focus should be, not just some outside person and saying, well, he looks a little nutty. Let's lock yeah. him up. You know, I think when you start having reports of him torturing animals or sure. saying hateful things to women or, you know, um, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I think that I think that it's it's kind of like it takes a village. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and that's yeah. the thing. I mean, it takes a village up until the time you graduate from high school and then you know, you, then all of a sudden you're not in that community anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. and nobody's got an eye on you. Um, but I think a propensity toward violence, we, we have to be really clear that a, that a propensity toward mental illness is not con- concurrent with a propensity toward, toward, toward violence. I mean, right. the vast majority of people who have mental health issues are not violent. Right. Um, and, I would, and prevention uh, is important. I, you know? I think that the corollary to that is the vast majority of people who are violent have mental health issues. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I have kind of a somewhat unique perspective on this, at least amongst us in this conversation, because um, when I went to law school at a college, I wanted to go into criminal defense work. And um, I went to law school in my third year. I did a criminal defense clinic that they had at NYU, and um, I it was um, it was an 18B panel. We were on the 18B panel, and all we did were homicide cases. Mm. And um, 
I got to handle a couple of cases that will, you know, have stayed with me since, and this was 1981, 82. Um, and I will take with me to my grave. Uh, and um, they, you know, I learned through that third year practice clinic that I did not have the stomach for doing criminal defense work. And I didn't, wasn't interested in becoming a prosecutor. And I graduated from law school, not knowing what the hell I wanted to do. Well, am I allowed to say no? Sorry. But um, so here I am. Uh, and <laughs> as a journalist, which was evidently my calling, but, um, you know, there, there are very serious mental health issues in, in anyone that takes someone else's life, unless there, there's this real like sort of crime of passion thing right. that, that happens. And um, I mean, you know, we had and people can be I mean, they, they can be um, deemed unfit to be to know what they were doing at the time of of the the crime and they can be committed to a mental health institution instead of being sentenced to jail i mean we saw that with um hinkley the man who attempted to murder um president reagan right no relation just putting that out there <laughs> we know <laughs> hinkley and and he you know i mean he he was uh, he spent many years in in a mental health institution a mental institution and he was then uh, in 2016 deemed uh, you know fit to be released and the prosecution at the time chose not to uh, prosecute him for the crime he committed um, because they could have, but they decided not to. And uh, he's been living in his house and he's uh, actually a country uh, singer songwriter <laughs> um, and has a, a very active YouTube uh, channel. Now that's scary. Well, I know what I'm doing Saturday. Right, <laughs> you know, but apparently yeah. he's Imagine not, those lyrics. Oh my gosh. No, but apparently the guy's like, you know, like he's not, you know, mentally ill anymore. And, um, you know, so they just released him from all restrictions. Like he was living at, at home with restrictions and they just actually released him of that. And, you know, there were a lot of people, including our congressman, I keep coming back to him, I'm sorry, but uh, who were like, he should not be released from prison. Like he should spend the rest of his life in jail for trying to kill our president. He was never in prison. Like, you know, no. you know, God, he's a lawyer. He should know this stuff. But, you know, I can tell you just, I won't get into gory details, but you know, there are people who have very serious mental health issues when they're when they're taking they make the decision to take someone else's life or they do something that somebody whispers in their ear. They should do some demons or whatever. I mean, that stuff really exists. Sure. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like with suicide, there's certainly you know, mental health issues there. Um, I, I think that. You know, where it's a, it's an issue that we don't have the wherewithal or whatever as a society to really deal with mental health issues and mental health treatment. It, it's just a train wreck in the United States. Um, it's gotten worse over the last few decades. Um, and, you know, there's no sign. Of, they always say oh, we, should, we should address mental health. But then when it comes down to really being serious about funding mental health um programs uh either preventive or you know rehabilitative the money you know just doesn't we'd rather spend money on guns and weapons and yeah. you know police and armies and uh, you know that's just our just how our society is wired and yeah. you know Brian. yeah i um when we talk about mental health for you know to help with gun control i think it's a great thing but mental health uh you know, I got it in my family. I've had my challenges from time to time. I mean, mental health um, is especially the last couple of years between, you know, the pandemic, the isolation that we're all going through, um, how polarized we are politically. Um, you know, talk about mental health. You know, we're talking about, you know, Kevin McCarthy and Lindsey Graham saying one thing and then a week later saying another thing. And I feel like I'm going crazy. Yeah. And that's and I don't like you said, I'm not making light of this, but it's you know, it's it's been a very, very stressful, let's say, three years in general for somebody who's got their feet on the ground, you know, to say mental health would would solve it more than restricting it. I think is ridiculous. The hardest the harder you make something to obtain, 
it's going to be harder to obtain. Sure, if somebody's got it in their sights, they're going to go to Pennsylvania or somewhere else where the laws are different. They're going to get it. They're going to do it. But, you know, I mean, mental health, I think, is a problem that we're kind of not looking at in general for everybody. We're all we're all pretty stressed right now. We're divided politically. We're concerned about our health, our finances, inflation. We're, we're all pretty much on edge and we're, we're doing the best we can. And we're supposedly somewhat sane. And I'll speak for myself, you know, <laughs> we're, we're somewhat sane. And it's it's a struggle sometimes to get up, to turn on the news. I'm a news junkie. You know, I'm so grateful for you guys locally because you guys do an excellent job to keep me informed about what it means, what's going on nationally and internationally, what it means here on the east end of Long Island. I'm very grateful, but I cannot watch the news anymore. Yeah. I can't yeah. do it, you know, for my own, because people are saying stuff that they're contradicting themselves. Like, you know, Denise said, people are doing 180s right in front of you politically that mean our democracy is at stake, our health is at stake, uh, the lives of our kids are at stake, um, our finances, you know, they're blaming people for gas prices and I don't know, evidently, you know, these big oil companies are showing record profit. I don't know what's true. I don't have 18 hours a day to get in the weeds on every issue so I can be an expert and argue it. But it's a very stressful time, I think. And uh, I think we just need mental health across the board, not for gun control, just for all of us, as much access as we possibly can. You know, the final the final thing is, and again, not to make light of it, is that, you know, that old kind of tongue in cheek thing where, you know, they interview the neighbor of somebody who did something horrific and they would always say, oh, he seemed like a nice guy and he was always quiet. You know, it doesn't we don't know until it to this person takes this extreme action. The other thing is, you know, they they have they have people, you know, these things, these kind of, you know, people attack people in places like the UK. But the thing is, they do it with a knife, you know, and, and maybe three or four people might get stabbed wounds. But, the pro, you know, so it's not like mental health is something that doesn't exist in other countries. But what doesn't exist is the right to walk down the street with an AR-15. Um, so, yeah, you know, mentally unstable people, if they have a, a knife, they're not going to do nearly as much damage as they do when they have. Yeah. It's, it's certainly a phenomenon here. And, and I don't know, I mean, which came first, chicken or, or the egg? Is it a phenomenon here because there are so many guns or, or are there so many guns because of phenomenon here or or what? I, I think you're right in that you don't you don't see it in other countries because there are any guns in other countries. Right. I mean, it's right. just, it seems it seems like a simple equation to me, but. Uh, we're not going to solve it here this morning. So oh, I think we will, Bill. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. <laughs> going to get more depressed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I need yeah, we're supposed to be uplifting here. <laughs> You're listening to Behind the Headlines on WLIW 88.3. I'm Bill Sutton from the Express News Group, my co-host today, and that Hinkle from the Express News Group. Our uh, panelist, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, uh, Beth Young from the East End Beacon and Brian Cosgrove right here from WLIW. Um, so Denise, uh, we're we're talking about guns. Let's let's localize it a, a little more. Um, you you've been covering for several weeks now an application to to build a shooting range and as it turns out, um, firearms store on Elton Street in my neighborhood. Um, and there's been some developments there. Correct. Yeah, a number of them. Um, you know, I mean, you talked about how guns were once legal and, you know, when even illegal guns were once legal. And, you know, one of the things that happened there at that at that location this week, which is not yet approved for occupancy, um, but the um, person who's uh, moving his uh, gun store wants to move his gun store from um, the Hampton um, Business District at Gabreski, the Reckler uh, Industrial Park. He's been located there um, and he wants to plan to move from there to this Elton Street location. He got approval of the new location from the um, ATF, the federal uh, a, uh, re- agency that regulates uh, firearms dealers. Um, and um, he, he, he apparently was getting things shipped there and um, including weapons and two weapons were stolen from um, the location there last weekend. And um, 
he so you know there were two weapons that became illegal illegal weapons um the police were able to track down the people that they say broke into the place and um you know removed weapons and and the, and accessories and things and um one of them um apparently sold the weapon to someone um illegally and um funny how that happens funny how that happens so one of these three people were was charged with uh criminal sale of a weapon and the others were were charged with burglarizing this place and um criminal possession of weapons but so there's like this there's a whole thing with that because um you know the town is now saying they issued a stop work order and some violations to this guy saying hey you know you don't have the right to have anything in this place yet you don't have site plan approval you don't have a use permit um and you know you you don't have the right you don't have a certificate of occupancy um so this was a a, this, a building and it's a part it's a very large facility and this firearms place would be only in part of it um it was once occupied by a company that made like the heaters for the meals ready to eat and some other things uh over time and it's pretty, pretty close to main street right but then also across from the condominium complex there it's pretty close to main street but it's you know there's a condo complex other homes near there it, right behind it is the millbrook gables neighborhood which is a residential neighborhood literally adjoining it um on the back uh, property line but i mean it's a whole big uh, tangle as sometimes it seems like everything in Riverhead is, but um, there's um, the property zoned uh, commercial residential campus and um, it allows some commercial uses and among them are included indoor recreation and sports facilities, which the planning department said that includes shooting range. So this guy wants to put a shooting range and firearms training facility. I'm not sure where training facility fits in with a shooting range and a gun shop, which um, there's a retail shop depicted on the site plan that, they, that was submitted. But the town planning department is saying they thought that was for accessories like hearing protection devices and gloves that you use at a shooting range. They right. didn't realize he was intending to sell guns there. But he said that at a planning board meeting in April. Anyway, um, in any event, they, they, they had this they had this burglary there. Guns were stolen and arrests were made. And, um, you know, the town has since issued a stop work order saying you can't occupy the premises and issued these justice court uh, appearance tickets to. Um, and and the, town, the town's coming in with some legislation that. Would, would seemingly be designed to kind of block this type of operation along Main Street, right? Well, I mean, the town is going to have a public hearing at its next town board meeting this month on proposed uh, local law that would regulate where uh, gun shops can be located in the town and essentially limits gun shops, retail gun stores to uh, the zone use districts along Route 58. Um, where there is a Dick's Sporting Goods that has a you know complete uh, line of uh, you know guns and ammunition, um, and they they wouldn't be located anywhere downtown. Um, there's another guy who is looking to open a gun store on West Main Street, and he would be um, you know prevented from doing that. And uh, he's upset because he said he cleared the location with the town building department prior to signing the lease and now he signed the lease and put money into it and they're yeah. changing the rules. Um, so we had a little bit of that. That's interesting. Also. Um, but the other thing this code would do is say, you cannot have, you cannot sell guns at um, a, a shooting range. Like that would be prohibited regardless of where, like even where a shooting range is allowed, mm. um, you can't sell guns there. So um that would obviously the town can't come in and say that they're targeting this business but it would essentially prevent him from having both right a shooting range and a yeah well i mean the interesting thing is that in the zoning use district where this is located <laughs> it, retail sales are not an allowed use oh there you go so uh in any way um they were proceeding as as if it was a how they put it a customarily incidental use 
But the plan department saying, oh, we didn't realize he was talking about selling guns. We thought he was talking about selling other things that were, you know, incidental to the shooting range. Right. So he, he was sent packing to the uh, to the ZBA for interpretation at the, at the last planning board meeting. But now in the, in the meanwhile, they got this legislation together and they put it on for a public hearing. We'll see what happens. Uh, and you, had a, you had a conversation with this guy, right? Oh, we've been talking quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we, you know, we obviously interviewed him about the stop work order and everything. And um, but, you know, we're doing our best to try to look into um, this this man. And um, I, we haven't published his story yet, but it will be published by the time your our listeners are, are hearing this. Um, at riverheadlocal.com. At Riverhead Local, yeah. And he and, and this guy who is a principal in the OC firearms, Anthony uh, Neosi, um, for several years um, maintained a blog called um, SPQR Today. And uh, this blog he had from the uh, end of 2011 till September 2017. And then he stopped posting, but it's still there. And um, SPQR is uh, stands for it's an acronym of Senatus Pop. Uh, my goodness, Sister Thomas Aquinas, you're going to be mad. come on, bring the Latin. Senatus <laughs> Populusque Romanus uh, Romanius, sorry, and that apparently stands for the Senate and People of Rome. Huh. And it's stamped on all the sewer grates in Rome. And, yes. this, right. and, this, <laughs> and this acronym and the, uh, you know, uh, the banner, the wreath around it or whatever, um, has been adopted by the white supremacist community. Oh, weird. Uh, uh, like at the Unite the Right rally uh, in 2017, they were flying flags with, the, with this on it, along with the Nazi you know, flag and um, the Confederate flag, uh, et cetera. Um, so when we figured out that this was him and then looked into, okay, what's SPQR? What does that mean? And, you know, we started looking into that and read this entire blog. Um, we were uh, quite taken aback with what we were reading there um, because um, among other things, he uh, makes some very offensive to me anyway uh, comments about black people he is extremely uh, focused on um jewish people and um the power that he sees um israel uh, having over uh the united states government and u.s lawmakers he refers to his uh, the congress as uh israel's fifth column um and uh, at one point, uh, in fact, his last, his very last post of September 2013 is a uh, pitch for uh, donations to the Legal Defense Fund of uh, proud boy uh, Tommy McGinnis. No, sorry, Tommy Christensen. Sorry about that. Um, who was subsequently convicted um, of uh, stabbing an individual, a, a protester in Chicago. Um, and um, of course, it was he that was being harassed, according to him and according to this post. And um, Mr. Neosi um, refers to the co-founder of Proud Boys, Gavin McGinnis, um, as, um, uh, in my opinion, he writes, uh, one of the essential resources for the thinking right uh, his articulate defense of traditional values and success at illuminating the fascist tactics the militant left employs to silence conservatives has had a cost attendant. Oh. Um, he was well, a contributor on Fox News, too, apparently. I um, always wondered where the Proud Boys got their uh, their guns and ammunition, I guess. No. So, I mean, I, you know, I, it was kind of like a jaw dropping read, this whole blog. And yeah. um, it's so, like that replacement theory that they're putting out there now. This was all the way back in 2013. That was right after Charlottesville. I think that's where a lot of that came this, up. This was September 2017 when he posted okay. this yeah. okay, gotcha. on fundraising. And um, he uh, uh, he started this blog in December 2011. I I don't know what happened in 2017. I asked him that. That was one of the questions he did not answer. Um, like, why did you stop posting? But um, it was 
in the run up, I would say fairly, you can fairly say to his applying for a federal firearms license. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I had extensive um, text message message exchange with him last night. We tried calling him a couple of days yesterday to ask about the code violations as well as this stuff. And um, he didn't call back, but I uh, texted him saying, you know, what I wanted to talk to him about with respect to this blog. And I said, you know, if you want to disavow, you know, this blog or anything you've said, you said in it, now's the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so we were communicating back and forth by text message last night, which was really like kind of um, a weird just juxtaposition for me on, on Thursday night, because I'm like listening to the January, <laughs> January uh-huh. hearing proceedings and texting with this man who, was saying things like he wasn't really aware of uh, the Proud Boys philosophy. And, you know, he's not that familiar with. Um, well, he, he probably wasn't. He probably wasn't watching the hearing. But they, yeah, uh, that's my guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was probably watching something about gas prices going up. Yeah. But like, I, you know, uh, I'm sorry. Just, you know, with references to Antifa and everything else, like, yeah. I, you know, we, 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 I, I find it hard to believe that any cognizant being, sentient being yeah. in the United States today, whether they're Fox News adherents or not, ha- doesn't know who the Proud Boys are and what they yeah. stand for. Well, we <laughs> there, there's Sorry. a lot there's a lot that ex- uh, escapes credibility uh, lately. Right. But yes, so, we, now, so we, we look forward to to, to reading. You know, so this arms dealer basically yeah. <laughs> is is Brian, uh, you know. Brian, we're we're quickly quickly running out of time, but I know that you wanted to give a shout out to uh, to to Bob Grisnick. If we can do that in a, in a couple minutes. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to mention that last week's paper, you guys. Uh, did a great piece about Bob uh, South Thrifty Drug. It's 50th anniversary. What's a huge deal, you know, uh, a mom and pop pharmacy uh, lasting 50 years. And uh, and then Bob was instrumental in helping create years ago, uh, taking World War II vets down to D.C. because we were losing them so quickly. And now they've moved on to bringing Korean vets and Vietnam vets down. And Bob went down as a Vietnam vet, which, as you guys know, he is. And he's just I mean, he's just really a great example, in my opinion, of someone who does so much for the community. He's really a, he really a pillar. Of he really is. I mean, he flew over 200 missions in Vietnam. He's a pilot. Uh, he came back here and he's done such tremendous work. I know for the radio station, there has been more than once in the 11th hour where his time and money has saved this radio station prior when he sat on the board when we were WPPB. And he is just a very good example, I think, to follow of uh, somebody in our yes, South African community. Absolutely. And I want to mention on, on the June 4th honor flight um, trip that he was on also um, Carl Hedinger of East Hampton and Gary Cunningham of West Hampton um, were also on, on that trip. So uh, a, a shout out to them. Thank you guys for, for your service. We are out of time. I want to thank my co-host um, Annette Hinkle from the Express News Group, Denise Civiletti from Riverhead Local, um, Brian Cosgrove uh, from right here on WLIW and Beth Young from the East End Beacon. This was a fantastic show. Guys, we'll be back next week with Joe Shaw. Uh, Thank you guys so much. Great show. Thank you.